Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? This, it's all good here. That's awesome. It's all good here. We're back talking volleyball with you. And, you know, my season's over. Your season's just starting. And it's just kind of the excitement to see you all, you know, lit up and fired <laughs> up. And I'm like, I'm relaxed now. I'm not going, I got to go home and watch video. I'm like, oh, it's a so great time of year. Holidays are coming up. It's all yep. good. Absolutely, and we got a great episode in store for the listeners today. All right, what skill do you have today? So the skill that I'm talking about today is base defense, which doesn't sound exciting except for... Oh, it's exciting, Dave. It is exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> base exciting. defense makes me pumped up. No, right. Because you, you, it is sort of un... It's like, it's like unheralded base defense. Oh, yeah. It's oh, super but important. important. Yes. Important. So. And then what do you got for the scenario? And then my scenario is when one player on your team is far less experienced than the rest. How do you handle that? Okay, that happens quite often. It can happen, yeah. And when it happens, do you have a plan for that? So that's what it's about. We've got a great episode, so let's get it going. Let's get to it. Let's talk about base defense. All right, so the first thing that I wanted to point out, and I kind of already have about base defense, is that it's important. Okay, depending on the level you play... There are different things that it's important for, but it's important. And I just really think that the plays that are made in base are very doable, except for the quick when it's well executed. Okay. Okay. And so, especially on the men's side, but we're not really talking about that per se. We're talking about younger players. Okay. Okay. And, uh, the first thing I would say is when you're creating your base is you have to prioritize what your base is for. So at the younger levels, it's going to be more for overpasses. At the sort of medium level, it's going to be more for setter dumps. And then at the higher level, it'll be more for quicks. Okay. Right. So you got to prioritize what, um, what you're aiming for. Right. And if you're not sure, I would probably pick kind of a, in the middle base defense and in the middle means you look basically like a triangle with your left and right. Okay, so give me, give me. I want specifics, okay? Because okay. you give me a bunch of general stuff, but I okay. want specifics. So you're getting ready to start with your team right now, and so yes. you're going to be, you know, a 16s team. It's going to be a good Southern California team, a high level 16s team. What? Where is base defense for you guys? Okay, so I tell them this. I tell them. I don't say and stuff like that I don't say so you're not putting tape on the floor no not a tape on the floor guy I'm not I I don't I'm not against it but what I tell them I think is better and and I'm no no knock on tape on the floor okay I say because the reality is if you're a tape on the floor guy this it doesn't allow for a bunch of situations to happen where you can slightly adjust yep and so what I say is you need to be where you can dig the quick with your platform so I have them. Okay. I have them fairly deep. Okay. Right now. Okay, and that creates an issue of All the right. short, right? But we also have two bases. So we have what we call what I'm calling spread base, 
where they're defending the quick and they could if the ball's hit from the quick they can dig it with their platform or at least kind of in the middle of their body they're not so then you have um like 16 feet back maybe about 15 15? feet 14 okay. feet all right between the hitter and the corner okay so between zone five or zone one okay right facing the hitter and they may need to even wrap around more to the sideline in order to face the hitter okay so that's where they start now obviously that creates the problem of you know if it's a short tip or something like that they got a bunch in there but we use we use two bases we use the spread base okay and then a bunch base and the bunch base is where they're basically on the 10 foot line and they can almost reach out and touch hands just a little bit spread out, more more spread out than that. Okay, so two different. Now, when do you? When are you in bunch, and when are you in spread? So we're in spread unless we're in bunch, and so. But are there tactical times? Yes. So how yes. do you? Well, so I guess what I mean is we're always going to start off in spread because we think that that's our most likely to be used. Okay. And then if they're tipping a bunch of balls or not hitting. We're going to okay. go to bunch. All right. Right? So in a bunch of middles, they will just throw tip and all this stuff, and we don't need to be back there. Yep. So we'll just go into bunch, and we'll say we make sure every tip comes up. Okay. I like it. So, so once again, it's defined, super simple. You have language. Yep. We have bunch, and we have spread. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in spread, but in this situation, we're in bunch. I like yep. it. Super and we even simple. have hand signals. We, we have a spread, like the Shaka okay, sign. Okay, Shaka. All and right. then the bunch is like two fingers and the thumb just making a little bunch. Okay. Right? So, and we can actually switch. I'm just like, call it a bunch, bunch, bunch. You know, not during the play, per right. se, but, you know, we want to go into bunch in the background. Yep. So, that's the first thing. Um, the next thing is hold your base. Okay? And this is the one super common it's so common. There's a video on Instagram that's like super funny where it's like the setter's just waiting for you to drop back. They're just looking at you. <laughs> and then they just dump it over right when you drop back. Right. And they're like, ah, too, too early. You know what I mean? Yep. And the idea is I think everyone drops too early. And they have to wait for the set to be delivered and then drop from your base position. If there is a drop, if there's a drop to be made, right? So I, I'm not a big fan of having the on-off over. I might have them bunch in if it's on, but I don't really love the idea of deepening if it's off for our back row, unless it's behind the 10 foot line and the, the setter's not getting their hands on the ball. Yeah, I just think that if it's behind the 10 foot line, it's not gonna be dumped. And so we right. like to get out of there. And we, yes. we want those, we, we want the, as, as little movement you know, afterwards, we'd like that movement early. I think most teams drop too late. You know, they wait until the setter sets it when there's no chance. So, you know, the setter's running 15 feet off the net and chucking it up, and they're still hanging out at 10 feet. It's like, wait a minute, why are you moving so late? You got to get out of there. I think that's and, fair. Yeah. So that's, I think, my thing that happens more often. So that's interesting. Well, I think that's, I think that's totally valid. And I guess I would say is when there are multiple options available, you right. got to hold. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? So when and, and hey, do you have a setter that is good at throwing stuff in the middle? Exactly. Right. And if the setter can, and we play some pretty good setters, you know, so they can move the ball around. Right. And what I find is that they've, they've played against teams that set outside so much, they're releasing to the outside and then they flip it back and it's like, oh no, yeah. you know, so I can see your point there too. Um, anyways, look, <laughs> the, the next point on base is look, most of the stuff on base is not full speed. So if you're looking for the right stuff, you can usually 
read it and you can usually get it on your feet is my okay. is my thing. I don't think there should be a lot of pancakes involved in base defense. I mean, it maybe it ha- maybe it has to happen, but I think most of the plays are not high-speed plays like a spike. They're a tip, they're a throwdown, there's stuff like that where you have some time. So look at the right things, right? You should be looking at the platform when the passer's passing. You should be looking at the setter's hands when they're setting. And then looking at the hitter, obviously, if, uh, if you've busted out of your base. Um, target for transition. So one of the things I see all the time is it, it, we, we get digs in base, but again, and you mentioned this uh, on the last pod, we don't dig high. We got to dig so that we can transition it. Like, and a lot of people think you get an easy ball, like an easy low ball that you get, and you dig it low. I don't like that. Right. You got to dig it high to give your team a chance to trans. Exactly. And then the speed of your offense is not dictated by the speed of the pass. It's dictated by the speed of the set. Right. It, right. And yeah. And teaching the team the difference between a free ball and being able to pass low on a free ball when your hitters are already back. So even if it's an easy ball, and they go, oh, this is an easy ball. It's like a free ball. No, it's not a free ball. There was a block up. Right. And you got to give your attackers time to trans. Yes. And just because it was easy doesn't mean it's free. Yes. And sometimes even on a second ball that comes over, right? Like a second ball comes over, and they go, oh, that's like a free ball. No, your hitters weren't. They were at the net. Yes. They weren't back on a free ball. That's a great point. And again, again, that's awareness, right? Yeah, and knowing the difference. I'm not big on punching it in anyways, like, you know, speeding it up. I just, I want sort of 20 feet high, 20 feet high on defense all okay. the time. That's my, that's my thing. Um, and then this interesting one on middle back, typically I'll have middle back push into the angle of the middle, the, the approach line of the middle. But if our middle can block their middle, then they're going to push into the, the, the opposite of that. They'll push to the opposite side. This was where my questions were going to be, because I still haven't figured out. I, I still don't have answers for this. So give me that again. So let's say that you have, uh, you're playing a middle that likes to go cutback. Okay. Okay. Cutback meaning she's going to pull the ball across her body to area one. Okay. So if we know that. And you know that. Okay. Then I would just put my girl, my middle back in zone you know one six so that's going to be her base yeah that'll be her base just shaded over there okay so then when you look at your team in base defense it's a little wonky triangle yeah yeah it's a wonky triangle and i like that too because i'm watching all this video of our middle backs just standing behind the middle blocker our biggest kids and they have no vision that's what i'm saying they have no vision i asked them i go what are you watching they're all I can't see. Don't stand behind, don't stand in the middle of the court. Get to one side or the other. And so it's not, you know, we don't need that perfect triangle. Exactly. And I think so often they just go, oh, they just default into that middle. Yes. Even though they have no vision. Exactly. So I'll say the, the thing I said again. So generally I'll have my middle back push into the approach line of the middle. Okay. So it's like on a, most middles, let's say hit one most of the time. They're going to be in, my middle back will be in 1-5 seam before the ball's even set. 
you know. Right, so on the pass. On the you gotta pass. Get there. If it's a good yeah. pass, you got to get there. Yep, exactly. Yep. So it's just a step step shade, you know, step yep. shuffle, something like that. And if, if the middle's, you know, hitting a three and going from right to left, then they're in one six. Yep. Right, so that's like what it. we do there. So anyways, and then the only other thing I would say is I love this <laughs> gotcha moment. And it's so fun because it's a little game between the setter and that libero because the setter will do it at the least expected time. Yep. But the libero has to expect it at the least expected time. And I just love these gotcha moments where the libero is like, gotcha, you think you had me, but you did not right. have me, right? Yep. Because in the rally, what tends to happen is the, the base defense tends to loosen up, right, yeah. and go more to the pins and stuff like that. But uh, if you can be disciplined enough to be like in the rally, the center goes to dump and it's nice and tricky and be like, gotcha, I just love that. Yeah, so pretty cool. So that's what I got, base defense. I like it. You have anything like to add it. to that? Yeah, a couple things. Okay. One thing is uh, Terry Pettit. Remember Terry oh, Pettit? Oh, yeah. Nebraska's coach. So, and you know Josh was on our show. Yes, Josh. And Josh Van actually Buck. coached Terry's daughter. Oh, wow. And so Josh would always tell me, oh, yeah, the one thing that Terry gets on me about is base defense. Okay. He is such a stickler. Oh. So this was a guy that's all, hey, you... You determine a team's defensive discipline ah. by looking at base defense after the ball goes over the net two or three times. I love that. And that's how you tell. That's a disciplined defensive team. That's a non, you know, that's undisciplined team. That's so cool. And so just that idea, I think, is pretty cool. So when you said you were uh, going to talk about base defense today... I immediately thought about, oh, that's Terry Pettit stuff, man. Yes. That's good stuff. It is good that's stuff. That's good stuff. That's exciting. But one other yes. thing I'll throw in there is you didn't talk about a posture. Right. And I think right. there is a, I watch some teams and, you know, there are teams that, you know, hey, they're in a posture to play stuff that's coming over fast because, that's a great point. hey, if you're there and it's a low, you know, it's a it's a line drive pass and the setter throws it there. You have to be in a hard posture. Absolutely, you can't be in this casual posture. Yes, and I would even add to that the hands, the hand position. If yep. you're closer to the net in that bunch base, yep. your hands got to be pretty high. Right, right. So I didn't talk about that. That's a great point. It's not just a position. You got to be loaded. Some of these quicks are total reaction digs. Oh, full yeah. on reaction digs. You don't have time. So that's a really great point. So we made base defense exciting. Base defense exciting. I Absolutely. So what's the, the scenario? The scenario, you know, a bunch of club teams are starting. And, you know, I had a, you know, my club that I ran for years, Davis, was, you know, we were a boo-boo ball club. You know, we didn't, we just kind of took all comers. We didn't have real tryouts and put girls on first team, second team. We were this big generic group that just came in and practiced. And then we threw kids on a team. So uh, we were more, more of a neighborhood club, which meant that we had a big discrepancy between our best player. Sometimes there'd be, let's say, a kid was a really good volleyball player, but she didn't want to go play for Coast because she was an elite soccer player. Right. So she came and played, you know, boo-boo ball with me, you know, on my, my club and it was lower level. Um, and then we had kids who were just beginners and maybe they were, you know, athletic and we needed a medal or something, but... They were just way behind. And so what do you do when you have one player on your team that's far less experienced? It's a great topic. And I think when I was a young coach, I think I made a bunch of mistakes. Okay. And so I think I've gotten a little better now. So let's go through a couple yeah, of things. Number one, be candid. Okay. I talk to the player and go, listen, 
you're way less experienced. We're not trying to hide that. I'm just going to be with you. We're going to have a plan to address this. Absolutely. And I have good news and bad news for you, Davis, if you're the least experienced. Okay. What is, what the, is the good news? You want the good news first. Okay. The good news, Davis, is you're going to get more one-on-one coaching time than anybody else on the team. Okay. I like that. You're going to get more time. You're going to get time one-on-one with coach, whether it's me, the head coach, or the assistant. Okay. You're going to get more one-on-one time. That's some good news. I'll yep. take it. Right okay. On. But there's some bad news. There's some bad news. Okay. You're going to play less than anybody else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're less right. experienced. Right. And, hey, we have players who are way more experienced, and, hey, this is competitive. We're trying to win. You're going to play. That means you're, you're going to play, but you're going to play less than everybody else. Okay. At least... In the beginning of the season, where our plan is by the end of the season, you're going to play, get more and more and more playing time if we do our job. I like that because I don't think, typically I don't think I would be as candid, you know, so I like this point and I think that opening up those lines of communication. Now, have you ever had any uh, kickback from that? really haven't because those kids know that and I think I've always had super young kids so they're scared Davis okay and I think a lot of those kids are just going they're in over their heads you know because it's kind of booboo ball and when you're the worst player in booboo ball you you end rallies right right Right. and and they don't want to they don't want to be put in those situations so they welcome it in a sense and in some ways we tell them early and and we're not trying to hide anything going hey we have you on this team. We don't have a lower-level team. Right. You can decide not to play, and you can go play for another club or something. But if you want to be on this team, this is kind of what it's going to look like. And you know that. These players have played for three years or two years, and this is your first year. Right. Okay. So Cool. I like it. Okay. So how do we do that now? So we talk about this idea of these mini private lessons. Okay. And so... If you're the weakest player, can we give you two to three mini private lessons every practice? Okay. Meaning that, hey, the team's involved in a game or drill, and while they're doing that, you have the coach one-on-one. And we're working on, hey, here's how you set. Okay. Uh, here is how you, you know, put your hands together for passing. Can you work on getting your hand on the ball for attacking? We're going to work on these little five. And so... Once again, the parent, they, they're like, oh, they can't say because of playing time, the coach doesn't like my kid. Right, because you're investing. They in see yes. that, oh, wait, this kid's getting more work. But when I was a young coach, what I would do is I would do that work with everybody on the team. I see. Does that make sense? Yes. So I would go, oh, we got to get Davis playing better. And it would take all this time. And the best kid on the team would go, wait a minute, you're working on this kid the whole time. This is boring. And it doesn't help us win because you're not going to play that much anyway. The players who are going to play are the best players. I think that's a great point. And I, I, I made that mistake always trying to I got to get them up to the level. Yes. And no, I got to get our team ready to compete. And yes. the secondary thing is getting this player up to the level. I, I, I like that point. I'm just going to jump in real quick because I think there's a lot of coaches that say we're only as strong as our weakest link. 
And I think that's true to an extent, but not if they don't play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if they don't I mean? play, it's, so like, it's like, who's playing in matches? Yeah. And so the weakest link that plays, you know, potentially. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But anyways, I think that's a great point. Yep. So, cool. What else? Use an assistant coach if you have one. Okay. You know, that assistant coach, you go, hey, can that assistant coach be, hey, if we're doing pair stuff, maybe that assistant just stays with that player. And we rotate other players around, but the assistant stays with that weakest player. Okay. So they're getting a little private lesson when... Everybody's doing pairs work. Maybe they're not even doing the stuff that the team's doing. They're, you know, cherry picking what's most important for that player. Okay. Very as far cool. as teaching them. Uh, this is another mistake I made when I was a young coach. I would always have my best player kind of working with the weakest player. And kind of, I think I saddled some good players with that and kind of sucked the energy out of some practices because that player would get bummed out. Okay. Because they didn't get to show their skills because they were always with the weakest player. I see. So now what I would do is I would, I would share that. Okay. So if we're doing that, I'm like, hey, Davis, we have the weakest player. You're going to help that player with passing. You're going to be her passing tutor. Okay. And then I have another player be her setting tutor. Okay. And another player be her attacking tutor. And then when she does something great... If you made a great shadow, Davis, your kid's doing well. You taught, right. you coached him up, you know. And so <laughs> something cool. like that where you kind of share this responsibility of helping this weakest player get better. Right. And that's right. something the team takes kind of pride in okay. rather than, oh, we're playing with this player. I, like I talked to a parent was kind of bitching about, oh, yeah, we had this play on our team and she drug everybody down. Can you change that mentality? Right. I like that. Okay. That's a great point. Uh can you find a role for that player? Hey, what can that player do as quick as possible to help the team? Yes. So I had a kid on my high school team that we just said, hey, you're a short server. Right. So you're going to go in and you're going to serve short. We don't have any other short servers, so you're going to go in and that's going to be your thing. So she'd go in and get a short serve and get one. and Everybody would celebrate because that would be cool. And that was her role, you know. And that's so cool. maybe uh, you can put her on the right side in one rotation and she can hit a marshmallow in the middle of the court. Right, okay. And that's going to be her shot. Okay. Uh, and that shot can score, right? Oh, On the right side, yeah. middle of the court. If you do that one thing, can you get one thing that gets the team kind of fired up? Okay, very okay. cool. Uh, next is find bits of time for instruction. Okay. Uh, so, you know, there's before and after practice, but I think tournaments are a great time when you can get one-on-one with a player and just with a ball in the corner and you can do some stuff. And once again, the parent sees this going, wait a minute, my daughter's playing less than everybody, but she's getting more attention from the coach in these off times. The coach spent a half an hour with her during the day. Right. I like that. It's you can't say, hey, the coach doesn't like my daughter. Right. Right? No, we love your daughter. Right. She's a great kid. It's just she's not ready yet to compete at this level. Right. And so we're doing everything we can to get her ready for that. That's cool. Uh, the other two things are my favorite type drills, and I okay. think they uh, fall in line with this because I came from kind of this boo-boo ball mentality when we have this big discrepancy. And so doghouse is big for me. You make an error, you go out. And that means our best players are playing more, our weakest players are playing less because they're out. So that preserves rallies, that keeps the level higher. When that player goes out, let's say you know, you don't know how to set and you go in, let's say, uh, you know, four on four game and you have to bump set a ball and you shank it sideways or whatever and you come out because of that set, I can take you 
out of the, uh, and work with a couple minutes on that and throw you back in. Right. Um, like and while the team is just playing, they're playing their game and you're not ruining rallies. You're not this black hole that just rallies keep ending with you and you feel bad, the team feels bad. You know, when I was younger, you know, I had that player and I'd be bitching at that player the whole time. Oh, yeah. Coaching that player in the middle of practice. Yes. And everybody's yes. standing around and going, wait a minute. No, we got to get around. And then, you know, it goes, oh, it just slows down everything. The three in a row drills are my other favorite. Okay. I've talked about this where, hey, if you're doing a digging drill, if the first dig is good, you get another. If the next one's good, you get another. And so, once again, the best players get more contacts, the weakest players get less. Like and if you do those type of drills, um, and you go, hey, if you're getting one all the time and you want more, you got to find, you got to come in for extra work. Yes. You know, yes. so you got to find extra time. So using three in a row drills, just so your best players aren't going, oh, you're spending too much time with this player. You know, yes. it's hurting our development. And then the last one is kind of the wild one. And actually, second to last, use creative formulas for playing time. Okay. What, what do you mean by this? So... You go, hey, we already know she's the weakest player. She's going to play less than everybody. But when are you going to play her? Do you have a plan for that? Are you going to wait until you're up by 10 points? And what if you never get up by 10 points? She never plays. Right. Is that what happens? So you have to have a plan. Okay. So I would okay. say, here are the two situations, Davis, beginning of the season where you're going to go in. If we're up by six points, I'm going to put you in. Okay. And as long as we stay up by at least six or at least, let's say, four points, you're going to stay in that whole time. I'm going to play as long as I can, as long as we're up by four. Okay. If we go under four, you're coming out. So you know that. The next time is you're going to start. Okay. I'm going to start you the second set in all of our matches, and you're going to stay in as long as we're losing by no more than two points. Okay. okay. So if we go down 3-0, I'm going to pull you out. Okay. You know that. And the team knows that. And so there's no secrets. And so the team is fighting to keep you in the game. I like that. And that's too. kind of one of the things. Like, hey, how yes. long can we keep Davis in the game? And they're pulling for each other. Exactly. Like so this. instead yes. of this idea that, oh, this kid's in. They're pulling She's going to kill them. us. Right. I'm pulling her up. Right. You're yes. pulled, the whole team is kind of going, hey, we're trying to keep her in as long as possible. Oh, we got down by three. Ah, she's coming out. But the whole team feels like, ah, we didn't get to keep her in. Right. So it becomes a team thing and not an individual thing. I like that. So That's cool. Uh, and then maybe you, you say, hey, after 15 points, you're coming out. If we're down, let's say 15, 13 or something, hey, into the game, we're playing with our more experienced players. <laughs> so from zero to 15, you're going to start. And as long as we're in by two points, you're going to stay in, whether it's back row, front row or whatever. That's what's going like to be that. your thing. So like it's, that. and so then I don't have the pressure as a coach. Going, I got to get that kid in, and oh, but all these games are super tight. Right. The time to get him in is at the beginning of the game, yeah, because like that. that's when you have the most time to come back, and that's when points are worth less, really. Because if you're down one zero, it's different than being down twenty four twenty three. Yes. Yes. Awesome points. Those are so And cool. last, the last thing to do is, hey, can you celebrate improvement? And can your team celebrate their improvement? And can yes. that be a big thing on your team? I love it. I love it. All right. Super cool. Can I offer two other little ones? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so one, have them coach. You know, maybe, and I know it may not be possible right then, but if they could coach a clinic with little kids, 
That I find that to be really empowering. Kessel's huge on that, saying, "Hey, we don't have our kids coaching enough." Yeah, and they'll be right. like, "I do know some stuff," and they, they it actually kind of crystallizes what they know. Yeah, you know so that's really cool. And then the other thing, and especially if they're not embarrassed by this, it kind of you have to kind of prompt them, but have them play with some kids that they're actually are better than, like maybe younger kids or whatever, and they feel like they're better. And that gives them a little confidence to say, hey, look, I am learning some stuff, right? I do know, and I'm on my way. So Good, I, like I like some of those little things. But anyways, that's awesome. So what do we have for so, the videos? So we have videos. We're back to you. Yes. So the videos for me are interesting because there's not a ton of defensive well, videos right. on I'm, I'm sure they don't talk about like the whole subject is base, but it's part of it. Exactly, and so these are some really rich videos. The first okay, and these one, are on the AOC site. These are on the site, right? Right. And, and you can unlock these. These will be in the show notes. They will cool. be unlocked. And uh, the first one is your drill, Todd. Back when you were wearing a mask, um, for COVID purposes, uh, this is the fifty percent stop defensive drill. Okay. And I like it because it puts a number on it. We need to be above fifty percent stops. Okay. And there's tons of feedback you can give them. Um, within that setup to help them get there, right? We need to get the two up. We need to, yep. you know, all that stuff. So it's just a great drill all around. Um, the next one is digging to score and training a competitive mindset. I love this. Who's doing this one? I'm not exactly sure who the coach was. Okay. I wasn't familiar with all the right. coach, but um, the idea was defense is a mindset. And we're digging. We want to score. We want to get swings. We want to be... Uh, and you mentioned this about Terry Pettit. This is how we compete. We compete by being the most disciplined team in on defense. Yes. Love it. And then finally, Nabil Mardini, who we've talked about here a bunch of times, a great coach. His three on six wash to five. So the offense is three and the defense is six. And you play three versus six, and you can give them tons of different feedback on all sorts of stuff in that game. So, Good stuff. So those are the videos. Like I said, check them out, Art of Coaching Volleyball. We could go on and on. It's just a great resource, but feel free to check out the videos. But we also have a great resource now that Todd's going to talk to you guys about uh, that, that I've never heard about before today. It's really cool. WDW. WDW. Okay. What drives winning? Okay. What okay. drives winning? Yeah. So we have this guy named Brett Ledbetter. Okay. Has this website. He has a he has a book out. I actually have his book too. But okay. he has this whole uh, you know program he's put together on this idea of what drives winning, and he's he has a bunch of great coaches involved. Uh, a couple of them include coaches like Anson Dorrance. We've talked about Anson Dorrance before. Uh, Sue Enquist, who mm -hmm. was... Uh, actually, she was like the psychologist for the women's national team in the gold medal. She was a UCLA softball coach that won okay. a bunch of uh, NCAA championships. Billy Donovan. Oh, yeah. uh, Brad Stevens is on here. And they're videos. And so you go on, you can watch these videos and hear these coaches uh, uh, talk about why they've been successful. And it's in kind of like a TED Talk format. Yeah, it's and cool. it's, a, uh, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing, I think, for coaches' development, for coaches to watch. And I think you can show your team bits and pieces. Yeah, and I, I like how it takes all this knowledge and condenses it down. 
for into into manageable bites like yep. a TED Talk does. It's yeah. super informative and super cool. And it's something I haven't got all that into, but I'm going to get into it. I love it. Right on. So what a cool episode. Today, we talked about base defense. We talked about when you have a team with one player who's considerably less experienced. Yep. And we also talked about the What, what Drives, drives winning, winning program. And where do they find the What Drives Winning program? Oh, it's... it's uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But... Yeah, it's just uh, whatdriveswinning.com. Okay, perfect. Okay, you spell it out, cool. What Drives Winning. And so they've had conferences and, and with... With videos, and so you can go back and, and watch all of the old ones, and then they're, they're selling the new ones and nice. selling their books, and it's good stuff. Speaking of selling stuff, we're coming up to uh, virtual, virtual clinic. clinic. couple days, it's coming up. Jump yes. in there. It's going to be fun. we got some great coaches, and uh, it'll be a great way to start club season for club coaches. Right on. And if you haven't checked out our social media, please do it. It's just aoc.thevolleypod, and we are on Instagram. We'd love to hear you on there. And get any feedback that you have. Once again, thank you so much, Todd. Thank you, Dave. It was fun. Take care. Right on.